for youth pastors, sometimes they feel like parents are either their greatest en enemy or their greatest advocate. Why not make them your, your greatest volunteers? Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast, where we talk about the calling of youth pastors to equip students for the work of making disciples, moving teens from church attenders to disciple makers. Here are your hosts, Joel Friend and Jeremy Collins. Welcome to episode one of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Joel Friend, and I am here with my friend... Jeremy Collins. How are you all doing today? It's so glad to be with you. Uh, Jeremy, how was your weekend? It was it was a good weekend. The weather is good today, which makes it even better. Yeah, um, we are up... Uh, we're just north of Pittsburgh, so anytime it gets above 45 degrees and it's sunny out that, outside, it's a, it's a sunny day. So uh, this episode, we wanted to use this episode as a, a get-to-know-us mm. on a more relational level uh, and to give you an idea of who it is you uh, may or may not be listening to each time that you tune in to our podcast. So we just wanted to give you uh, our journey, specifically in faith, but also um, uh, in, uh, in youth ministry, because we've been doing this for quite a long time. So uh, Jeremy, why don't you talk through what we're going to be kind of doing today? Yeah, today uh, we're going to walk through our journeys, our Heart for Youth ministry, really the calling. How do we end up doing this? How, how do we get called into hanging with middle school and high school kids proclaiming the gospel each week and getting paid for it yeah exactly um and then kind of at the end we're gonna have some fun and talk about if we could go back and talk to little young joel and little young jeremy uh what we should be looking at in youth ministry so i'm excited for today's podcast Absolutely. And I had a uh, I had a scripture that I wanted to open us up with. Um, we will have quotes every now and then we will open up our our, our podcast with. But I was uh, thinking about this one specifically for uh, this episode. It's uh, from Philippians chapter one. It's verses three uh, through six. And it's Paul saying this. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Oh, yeah. Being sanctified through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are on a journey ever closer made into the image of Christ, I think is so helpful. And it's so true as we think back to how this all started. Man, yeah, I am not the same. I know you're not the same. Nope. Uh, and I was thinking back to the first time that I think we met and I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure it was on a weekend retreat, a fall retreat, and you had brought uh, a cohort of middle school or maybe high school boys ready to dominate football. Yeah, so there's a rumor out there that when we go away for weekend retreats, uh, we have uh, we have this um, organization in Pittsburgh that kind of brings everybody together mm -hmm. for, uh, and by everybody I mean as many youth groups as they can in the greater Pittsburgh area for this one particular weekend retreat. And they had, well, it used to be a tackle football uh, tournament. Back with, in the day. It was yep. middle and high school. Well, it was middle schools. They had two different middle school weekends and they had two different high school weekends. But back in the day it was... It was a tackle. They moved to flag eventually because everybody's suing everybody these days. So um, and so the rumor has it is that I used to take football too seriously. I may have won about I think it's around somewhere around like seven or eight championships over the course of my time. But they think that I take it. So what do you remember from me in that? So here's what it felt like. <laughs> it felt like 
Gordon Bombay walking onto the ice in Mighty Ducks with his District 5 team. I had little tiny 6th, 7th scrawny kids, and we're looking across the field at these men. War paint on, cleats on. They didn't get in the mud. They were there for one reason. You were running plays, and you we were, were doing drills. Man, it felt like we just stepped into Steelers camp. And we were about to get run over. I uh, so I got chastised by um, the the program staff one year because <laughs> so the trophy we won the year before we brought back and we ran out onto the field with it. And someone was like, "That's like winning the Lombardi and then bringing it back to the Super Bowl the next year <laughs> and running out onto the field with it." Yeah, I was pretty serious about that back in the day. Yeah, we had like I had a system. We had three different types of offenses. It was pretty legitimate. I I, th- I, I wanted to do some you. birth certificate checks because I wasn't sure who was a leader and who was a kid, but that's okay. I the, the rules were always one leader per sure. you know you know you know when you were out there you can always have one leader out there. Um, and when it was tackle, that was an interesting component. Yeah, you had eighth grade boys with mustaches. Listen, I can't control when their hormones happen, but yes, that was that was when that that's when you uh, first met me because I, I think we were talking once before, and I was like, I actually don't think I remember when we met for the first time. Uh, I do know we had an experience in a cabin once, um, where w- you go ahead tell a story. Oh boy, uh, well this was a summer. Yeah, we, we had a shared trip. cabin. We yeah. shared a cabin. Yeah, our two our two groups were sharing a cabin. And it was middle school. I distinctly remember it was a middle school week retreat where we were together in a cabin. We came back into the cabin. No, it was high school. Was it high school? That was high school. Yep, that was our high school. Mm. It was good. And it was like that first year, it was just like ninth and 10th graders. So it was still pretty young kids. That's right. And it was called Surf City. It's, it's something that we, we would do together. And we came back from dinner or something. We're all in the cabin. And I just remember this smell and going, man, you guys all need to shower. Right. It's gross in here. And all of a sudden, one of my kids, his name's Justin, he pulled out a cup from under his bed, Dibs cup, and he went and opened the Dibs cup and was getting ready to eat some Dibs, and it was human poop. It was feces. In the cup. It was feces. And someone s- pranked our cabin. Yeah, someone pranked our cabin, and they you know, pooped They pooped in popcorn bags. It was so bad. It was Cause, everywhere. Because they had this program where they were doing, like, it was entertainment night, so mm-hmm. they had this popcorn bags, and kids brought popcorn back, and they someone pooped in that. It was gross. And the like the le- do you remember like the lesson learned from that that whole thing was that our kids thought it was this other cabin mm-hmm. because of like where these kids came from and who they were. And so they had made all these judgments. And I was kind of, I don't know you might have been there for this. I was like, hey, don't be too quick. Don't be too quick to judge in a situation like this. You never know. And then it turns out it was. That it was it was, was the a unlikely. totally yep. different kid from another cabin, and no one knows why this kid pooped in it. But it was like the kid you wouldn't think. And I remember we brought the kid in to oh, remember we had we were like you have to go apologize to these mm-hmm. kids. Brought the kid in, and and the and the guy and the kid goes, I just want to say I'm sorry to everybody. And then our kids are like, for what? <laughs> it's like we mean for what? It's like there. I was like, guys, he's the make one him that say it. Uh, yeah, he's the one who pooped in these in your dibs cup, and you almost ate not dibs, <laughs> but poop. So yeah, that was one of our times. But Jerry, with, with all those fun experiences that we've had away, you know, what is a bit a little bit of your journey? You know, um, you know, I know you have an interesting story. Our, our stories sort of parallel one sure. another, but you know, d- tell us a little bit about your background and where it all started for you, how you got in youth ministry. 
things of that nature. Well, yeah, I never intended to be in ministry at all, let alone youth ministry. Do any of us? No. Um, and I think that's, that's why God calls us. Well, my father's a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. My aunt had been a pastor. She's retired now. And uh, so I'd seen how ministry can be hard. I, I respected the church. I was still a part of the church. I was at a Christian college studying the Bible, not knowing what I would do. But there was no way. God, I didn't want to be in ministry. Well, I worked at a Christian summer camp over some of my summers, and a bunch of students said, hey, you should be our youth pastor. Mm. And I laughed. I was like, no way. <laughs> uh, but it took took older men uh, in my life, disciples of, of Jesus Christ who were wiser than I and could see the gifting in my life who said, you should go do this. You should. It, it even to the point where one of those uh, leadership staff members at camp allowed me to live with him and his family for the first four months of my ministry because he so desired for me to come out, commit and do this. And if it weren't for people like that, I don't, I'm, I can't say I wouldn't have ended up in ministry. Yeah. It wouldn't have been as smooth a journey as it was, but that was 15 years. Oh no, 14 years ago now where God called me out of my laziness of graduating college and just want to hang with my buddies into ministry. And from there, it's just been a wild ride of recognizing God's call and being humble enough to say, okay, God, I'm not going to ignore you this time. So this is your first church. Yes, this is my first church. And where are you? Just so we can get I'm people. at the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown. We're about 30 minutes north of Pittsburgh. And yeah, so I've been here ever since. This is the church that I grew up in. I came here as a 22-year-old uh, kid, 23 years old, thought I knew everything in ministry, clearly didn't. Um, and as a result, they loved me. They cared for me. I've got people here who are, who are basically like family at this point. Uh, and from that time, I've been through seminary, uh, got ordained, and uh, I'm thankful for that because I've learned so, so, so much. And so, yeah, that, that's that's my story. It all started because of summer camp and really a bunch of mature, wise disciples saying, you need to go do this. And my family backing me up on that. And then, uh, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, lo I love hearing stories like that. And just it sometimes it's just those one moments that catch your heart and mm -hmm. send you in that direction. And so mine was a, mine's a very interesting journey. Uh, you know, I grew up in Erie, PA. I was the only person in my family who went to church. And, and it wasn't because my family didn't, like Jesus, they they supported all of that, um, but it was you know it was just not them. They my mm -hmm. dad, I remember you know very specifically was like I'm not that into organized religion, and I didn't know any different at that point. But I got plugged in. I've been in youth ministry for um, I've been uh, I was thinking about it the other day. I've actually been involved in youth ministry stuff for I think the if the numbers right, it's twenty years. Hmm. 20 years. So um, it would be like 14 or 13 of it have been, yeah, yeah, 14 of it has been in as being in youth ministry in some capacity, which I'll get to here in a second, but then, uh, and then six of it was as a, as an active member. So I've spent more of my life in, involved in youth <laughs> ministry than I have not. And so it's just, maybe, maybe this is all I'm doing because this is all I'm good at. 
right? It's I don't know how to be <laughs> know how to be good at anything else. I don't I don't know about that. You you are quite a, a talented uh, individual in many respects. Oh stop! Yes, no, stop. you are. Thank you. So um so yeah so it started you know for me I had a youth pastor um had brand new out of seminary went to it was at Asbury and so we there was a United Methodist Church that was about gosh, like four blocks from my house, and he knew there was this, he was a young guy, he was like 27, and he knew there was this like group of, of you know, kids looking for stuff to do, you know, a couple blocks away from him, and asked a couple parents, and we all went to his youth group, and I stayed there from when I went in at sixth grade all the way to when he left, mm-hmm. when I was, it was my, uh, uh, it was the summer before my senior year he had left, and so when he left, I left, and so I knew at that, you know, I could look back on my life and, and be honest to say that even when I grew up in the youth group, I actually wasn't a Christian. Hmm. I had no personal relationship with Jesus. I, I, I did not know what it meant to follow him. I knew Bible stories, uh, and I was actually a, I was like a grade A attender. I mean, I went on mission trips. I went on mm-hmm. the youth retreats, and I did all that stuff. And I, I worship, I, you know, I did the worship songs. I, I sang. I did the mission trips. I did everything. Had no relationship with Jesus. But then I ended up going to uh, uh, Geneva College in Beaver Falls, PA, and it was my—I uh, actually went there because of a baseball scholarship, and then I ended up quitting baseball after the first year. And then, you know, my sophomore year when I decided to stay at Geneva, um, you know, God opened up that door for me to meet these two guys who kind of introduced, you know, reintroduced Jesus to me and, you know, invited me into a Bible study. And, and I remember one night in my room, I was— uh, reading the book of James, and I closed it, and I said, Lord, everything I've ever touched in my life has turned to dust. It is your turn now. Mm-hmm. That was that moment of surrender mm-hmm. where I recognized that I was a sinner, and I needed a Savior, and the good news that one was available uh, to me. And and so from that moment, I knew that in that very next week, I knew I wanted to do youth ministry. That's that's what I wanted to be committed to, because I wanted to be for other students what my youth pastor mm-hmm. uh, was for me. And so, um, you know, after I graduated college, I actually did a couple internships before I graduated. Uh, I started out in a job in, in Crafton, PA, and that job did not work out. It was very short-lived, and I was kind of hurt by that, and I wasn't sure if I was ever going to land anywhere. Uh, and so I, then I just kind of took any youth ministry opportunity that came at me. I remember I was a full-time running specialist. At, what is that? I, I'm, I specializes in running. Uh, I, you know, I was a full time run. It was actually, I think, it was the way of which they could pay me more at Dick Sporting Goods uh, <laughs> instead of just being like a footwear person. I think there was like the low level footwear people, and then there was like running specialists. And I think because I had a, I graduated from college, they had to give me a higher title. Now, I, did you have to complete like a certain number of miles per week to keep that? Title? No, I no. just had to know how to sell people's <laughs> shoes. That was it. And so. While I was doing that job full-time, I was working three nights a week, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, at two different youth groups. There was one youth group that was Tuesday, Wednesday. They had a big enough group. They split it up like that. And then on on Thursday, I ended up going to the church called New Community Church, uh, where I was at that time because I met this guy named Mike uh, you know, uh, along the way. And he's like, hey, why don't you come volunteer with us? And so I kind of got plugged in there. And so after a while, I kept going back to New Community, and they had me as an, a volunteer, and then I moved into an internship role, and then I had a graduate internship role, and then they made me the middle school program director, and then 2011, I, I mean, I climbed the ladder, man. It wasn't actually until, um, you know, a couple years ago where I was, you know, I, I finally became the director of student ministries, and I've been at the same place uh, for a long time. 
isn't that interesting? And I, and I think our longevity in ministry, and we'll get to this a, a little bit later, but I think that that's an important part of our journeys and why we've come to, to talk about these things in this podcast forum, because even though we're in two different churches with two different traditions and backgrounds, yeah. uh, we're seeing a lot of the same things, even changing in our own lives over that time in ministry. And uh, I guess what what's going to be your next title? What's the what's the next step? <laughs> Director of student ministries. Yeah. I, I think I, I think that's it. <laughs> I, I think I've I've maxed out. I I just really love it, man. Amen. I, I and Amen. I think um, you know I am I am in the process of going to seminary, and I think there's a lot of people that are like, well. Now that you get your seminarian degree, that means you get to move up. What about what about if I took my seminary degree and then I used what I had learned there to help disciple students better? Wouldn't that Amen. be a better investment for what we could do rather mm-hmm. than move out of this role? I feel like maybe I don't know if it's you know too many people have that mindset mm-hmm. of like I'm just going to get my seminary degree so that I can work in big church. No, no, you're working in the church. If you still have a heart for student ministries, do that and and, and mm-hmm. a, take what God has given you and gifted you with, and apply that to the students to give them some pass on to them what you've you've received. And I, uh, I, I it was funny as having you know we have a lot of succession happening in my church right now and mm-hmm. and plans for it. And you know I kind of he was asking my pastor, hey, what do you think about me? And he was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I kind of just want to stay where I am because I think I'm finally starting to get it. <laughs> I've been doing youth ministry for 14 years, and I actually feel like I'm finally hitting my stride now. I had I had that exact same conversation literally today mm. because we've had some staff turnover as well, and people are like, are you leaving too? Like, no. I feel like I'm just getting this. Yeah. And, and I feel like I, I'm finally understanding what this calling really is. It's taken me maybe too long, and that's why we're here because we want to have these conversations yep. because I wish I could have had these conversations 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So here's a little fun question for us, Jeremy. If you could talk to you in your first two years in youth ministry, what would you tell yourself? You're not cool. <laughs> Stop trying to be. No, well, really, honestly, what I would have said from the beginning to me would have been work with parents. Mm. Parents are your best resource, your relationships with them, them as leaders on retreats, on trips, as small group leaders, your parents are your mission field. And, and I wish I'm feel like that's one of the things I'm just starting to finally get Mm -hmm. and, and move on now. And I wish I had been pouring into that far earlier and far more. Um, yeah, it's just that that's work good, with those parents. Yeah, that's a good one. I think there is there's moments where for youth pastors sometimes they feel like parents are either their greatest en- enemy or their greatest advocate. Um, why not make them your your greatest volunteers, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. how what a way to invest them even more in the process. But also, I think the other part of that too is equipping parents uh, for the process of discipleship, right? So how you know. If some of the best discipleship is done at home, then you, I think that's the place that needs to be uh, even more strengthened. I it's, think. it's two birds and one stone. If I'm my end goal is partly to disciple students, yeah, and I'm discipling my leaders, um, maybe my leaders should be my parents because then they're going to also disciple their kids at home. It, it just kind of makes sense when you <laughs> yeah, say it that way. It's true, but it's it's funny that you you know there's probably some youth worker listening right now and it's like you don't know the parents that I have. You don't know how difficult they are. And that might be true, but I think it's, and it does vary from parent to parent, or some parents that just, 
they don't want any involvement yep. with them. But I think, you know, as the church, I think it's important for us to cast that vision for them. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, you you spend like a hundred times that a hundred thousand times more hours with mm-hmm. your kids than we do, and what they see you do is way more important. And I think there's a lot of. I read an article a couple weeks ago. Basically, there some of the factors of students quote unquote leaving the faith is because once they got old enough to recognize a lot of their parents didn't practice what they preached mm-hmm. and what they said and what they said to believe what they believe behind closed doors. So, so what would you go back and say? A uh, long t- uh, a couple years ago, about four or five years ago, I heard a really great great quote from a pastor named Rock Dilliman. He said, um, "The church should not be defined by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity." And I think back in the day, I was more concerned about my seating capacity. I think I was, you know, I wanted to have the best games. I wanted to have the biggest crowds. I wanted to have um, the most. Uh, electrifying youth ministry in the area. The uh, most football trophies won. At- exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so I think if I, you know, if I could spare myself the, you know, the first seven years of watching what fruit I, you know, what seeds I planted and what fruit came out of that. I mean, it's there's so many students who are that came through our ministry that they're just off the beaten path and you know and i think the there is a there is a temptation to believe that that's my fault and i think there is a temptation to also not believe that's my fault so i think <laughs> i what i <laughs> but i also want to be wise to say okay so if we're going to send these kids if we're going to seed them we better be sending them and so um and no matter how many kids we get in here let us equip them for the task of becoming responsible for their own faith and seeing the importance of being responsible for other people's faiths, especially their peers. Mm-hmm. Because as we mentioned in like the last episode, I mean, it's possible for young people. It, it was, it's done in a very different church than we have right now, but it is very possible for young people to, to understand what it is that they believe and then to share that with others, but also live out that faith through service projects and being active in mm-hmm. uh, participating in the things of the church and Sunday services, all those sorts of things. I think that's, that's possible. Possible. And so that's what I want to equip uh, a student for, is to send them out knowing uh, God's Word and how to teach it to others and how to live in love like Jesus wherever they go. And so mm-hmm. that's that life of integrity is kind of, you know, you're going to try to shoot you're going to try to shoot arrows as close as you can to that target. You're not always going to hit it dead on. But if you can try to get it as close to that, I think you're, um, I think you're heading in the right direction. Yeah, and, and what you're saying is just so, 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 so true. And it's that Ephesians 4.12, that our role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body. And who are those saints? Those are these students who are in our ministries every week that we're seeing and building relationships with. If, if we're stopping short at that and we're not equipping them to do the work themselves, yeah, that, that's such, a, such an important uh, bullseye to be aiming for. I think that's really good. So as as we kind of close out here and in thinking of our own stories and thinking of how we've come to the place that we've come almost, I would say in my own life, in my own story, not because of anything I really did, but mm-hmm. because of what people did in me and through me and yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, I, I want to put out a challenge as we end this podcast today to reach out and say thank you to a mentor that had been in your life. Maybe it's a youth pastor or a youth leader, uh, or it might even be a a parent, but someone who has poured into you and built and and equipped you 
as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so next week on our podcast, this one is, uh, this week is how it started. Next week we're going to talk about how it's going, which uh, what we want to try to do with that is zero in on what we've seen change, which will be very interesting, uh, what we've seen change in youth ministry over the years, but uh, also what has sort of stayed the same and uh, what have we learned? Uh, what are some of the takeaways? And I think a lot of what we've learned has actually sparked some of uh, the existence of this podcast, is uh, some of those things that we've learned have, have kind of been the genesis uh, for why we're here. And so, as always, if you uh, have any questions or comments or feedback, you can email us at disciplemakingyouthministry, disciplemakingym at gmail.com. So it's great. My name is Joel. It was so great to be with you here today. And Jeremy, why don't you say goodbye to everybody? Goodbye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. We sure do hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe wherever it is you consume your podcasts. We hope you have been encouraged by what you have heard and you're ready to jump into the hard work of disciple making. Catch you on the next one.